1: How to win the five hundred thousand dollars in the FFPC main event? That's what we're talking about this week on Stealing Bananas. I'm Ben Gretch. You can find me on Twitter at yardspergretch and on Substack at bengretch.substack.com. With me is always Sean Siegel, who you can find at Roto-Viz And Sean, we just took Jamar Chase at the five hundred nine. What are we thinking here, coming back at six hundred four?
2: Well, we're we're not that far away from getting Claypool, and and we were very close to taking him. At the five hundred nine, I think we would really have to consider going that direction. The other one I would then just ask you about is, I mean, in one of the main events I've done so far, Lavisca Chanel did come back to us at the seven hundred nine. His ADP, oh, he goes right before us. He goes at the six hundred three. So yeah, I mean, we're we're back. We don't have to decide if we're going to take him early. He goes early. So he
1: is rising. But yeah, I think. I, I did think your point on the last episode about the, you know, I was trying to say that the Najee Harris pick that we already made back in round two was sort of a bet on Pittsburgh about that sort of being a little bit of a bet against Ben Roethlisberger's arm and a lot of dump offs. It, it, it was well taken at the same time. I think some of the points I was making are still sort of valid in the sense that he it, Roethlisberger's arm could, could be good enough to, to support Claypool down the field, but also still we could still have the Najee Harris reception upside. I, I, I like this parent. I do too, I do too. We're gonna to go ahead and take
2: Claypool here. And one of the nice things is that we've been able to get some pretty good value in this draft. We're not afraid to reach. We do wanna follow our board. If we have guys clearly ahead of ADP on our board and the best value by our rankings, we are going to go get them. We're not gonna you know, sit back and say, oh, you know that, that's not a good value. But if we can get guys that we like at a value and at a little bit of a unique build, then then that's what we're really looking for here from the 109. Because as we talk about, the 109 presents some difficulties that some of the earlier slots don't have. I'm really excited about how this is going. For Claypool, our hot take is basically that he's going to be the guy there in Pittsburgh. You read what the beat writers are saying about camp. He was kind of the other guy, really flashing, you know, in terms of the offensive skill positions, taking a little bit of a step forward. They think that he's going to be the target, the guy who really increases his targets in terms of that three-way battle. All three of those receivers we like. We think they're all very good reality players, but he's the guy with the upside. He was less expensive than Deontay Johnson. Uh, he was not that much more expensive than Juju. And the touchdown upside, when we talk about you know trying to get these huge scores in 15 through 17 the touchdown upside definitely seems to be in his, you know, <laughs> in his ballpark there. So. Absolutely.
1: I mean, not only the 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 high air yards passes, the downfield passes, but also the way they use him on, you know, the jet motion plays and, and some of the stuff around the goal line using his size and speed in that regard. Obviously, we want some of those touches to go to Najee Harris, but you can see, you know, sort of this, and, and our theme for, for this week as we do these picks in this draft is to give kind of a bold prediction you can see sort of this scenario where Najee Harris and Chase Claypool account for virtually all of the offensive touchdowns over a three-week period Chase Claypool scores maybe five or six touchdowns and so does Najee Harris I mean I don't think that is that uh, absurd to say Deontay Johnson and, and Juju Smith-Schuster both very good players both obviously can be involved in those regards but it wouldn't be that crazy if they had a little bit of a stretch where they had a lull in touchdown scoring given their respective roles. And so that's, I think, part of the, the bold prediction here as well is that we will really monopolize the Pittsburgh touchdowns over a three-week stretch during the the overall finals. Yeah, I,
2: the touchdown upside is is very exciting for this group. So uh, Tyler Boyd does go there at the 6-11. Round six has been... Much more back on the running back side. We had Miles Gaskin, Miles Sanders, Daryl Henderson, Kareem Hunt, Chase Edmonds. Actually, go in a five pick stretch. So some of the drafters balancing back out their rosters. Then Trey Sermon is someone that I would really like to consider if he comes back around. He probably won't. His ADP is uh, you know a full round ahead of where we are there, but in a given draft, because such a wide range of outcomes for him, he could slide. Receivers who could come back around. Antonio Brown is getting all of this buzz from the Tampa Bay camp. He does give you a little bit of a way to get exposure to that that's less expensive than those top guys. He has that Thursday night game. Uh, Michael Gallup, someone who has a late round 8 ADP, so we'd be looking at him probably in round 8. It'd be a reach, but also someone who had actually some great numbers in 2019 And then his 2021 training camp usage has been encouraging. He also would give us some exposure to the Thursday night game. Debo Samuel sitting with an ADP right at our pick would let us play into that San Francisco aggressive attack. Those are some of the guys I'm looking at. Are there other players that uh, come up here as well that could really factor into what we do?
1: Trey Sermon is my next best running back on the board. Debo Single and Michael Gallup are my next two wide receivers. I am a little lower on Antonio Brown, but I think that's sort of an interesting take. I, his, his targets per out run have remained very, very strong. There goes Sermon. So that is disappointing. I was I was pretty excited about that, if it was possible. The only other name that I would float in any regard, and I don't know how much he makes sense, but I just think Russell Wilson is, is falling a lot. I, I still think that he has a, a lot of upside with those receivers. We wouldn't have any type of stack. It would be kind of a, a really random one-off pick. Where is his ADP in these last few days? You have that pulled up, right? Yes, so he is at the 704. Okay, and we're at 709. Three of the teams between us have a quarterback. I don't even know if I like that pick necessarily, and certainly I don't think over Debo and, or Gallup if one of them were to make it back. What do you think about the, the next receivers I would have would be Will Fuller, Cortland Sutton, and then Devonta Smith, who I don't have any of? What do you think about him? Yeah, Smith
2: is somebody that it would be nice to get a little bit of exposure to. He has some games against the Washington football team, the, the aggressively, creatively named Washington team there that, you know, if they get into some playoff shootouts, it could potentially benefit our team for those points down the stretch. I kind of like that. I was going to float uh, Noah Fant to you, ask if you like the second uh, kind of potential breakout tight end, but he does go at the 704. Yeah, Smith's somebody that that we want to look at. In our last draft, Ben, we took Jalen Waddle is, where do you have those two guys? It kind of looks like Miami's offense may be a little bit ahead of Philadelphia's offense, but both players have a way to play that team late it feels like a great value i mean fuller is a fantastic value for the dolphins jalen rager not necessarily a, a fantastic value but an, a cheap uh, you know swing for the fences play a cheap contingency based play late so we don't necessarily have to pick those guys here to make a play on those offenses does that matter to you in terms of how we're building the team
1: no i, I think it definitely matters and something that you've reinforced to me lately there goes antonio brown uh, and when I say lately, I mean, over these last few years, Is something that I've I've tried to think more about. The the difference for me in Smith and Waddle specifically is that I I think Waddle has a little bit of a tougher path to being sort of the guy in his offense. Uh, we like Mike Isicki. You're not as high on Devontae Parker at all, but we do like Will Fuller quite a bit. And I think he's obviously more competition than someone like Jalen Rager. I think Smith has a, a much cleaner path to sort of just being the guy in his offense. Obviously the tight ends are there, but that, that would be something that I'm, contemplating at least
2: so smith the 708 in terms of adp debo the 709 the couple guys kind of in that wrap back around galladay and Corey davis probably not as exciting the the uh, saints receivers come back in the next round also probably you know not the right thing here are we okay
1: we're up I, I for me it's it's debo and then AJ Dillon is the next running back and' is somebody that i' I'm, I'm looking at as well. but um Debo's the pick that for me a receiver makes the, just the absolute most sense that he got back to
2: us. yeah, i love this he he's the guy I've been trying to get at this spot to sort of redeem the 709 or redeem the ninth selection, that ninth draft slot. His rookie season, people forget. I mean, you're talking about 197 points, right? I mean, that kind of guy tends to take the next step to greatness. Injury is derailed that last season. He's a way to play this offense. He may be the guy that Trey Lance has the easiest job binding. Uh, if you told me that he led the team and targets even by a pretty decent amount, that would not surprise me at all. I well, for our hot take section here, that's what, that's what I'm going to say. I mean, he's going to lead the 49ers in targets. Not going to have quite the same numbers in terms of you know yards per reception, but even with a more underneath role, because of the way they manufacture touchdowns, he's also going to compete with those guys for touchdowns. I think he scores seven times and next year is drafted in round four.
1: I love it. I love it. And yeah, I think when Lance takes over, one of the big things that would would, would ease that transition, especially with his skill set, is the jet motion tip passes that he went to so much with Debo. Get that get that guy moving pre-snap. Um, they obviously won't you you know tip tip pass it to him every single time, but that that can be three or four free receptions every game, right? And so that's that is uh, those are just free points. Definitely something that I'm considering when I look at Debo Samuel and and it's also free targets to your point about. <laughs> him potentially leading in targets, it makes it a lot easier to earn targets when some of them aren't earned. They're just literally handed to him. Yeah, you, you think about what he did
2: in the playoffs that season as well when they went on their run to the Super Bowl and were in complete control of the Chiefs before Patrick Mahomes did his magic in the fourth quarter. Uh, I mean, Debo was really driving what they did there. So excited to get him in round seven. Devontae Smith does go at the 7-11. That's too bad, Ben. It would have been fun to get him in round eight. We have Waddle Gallup. Uh, I put Raheem Mostert on there. He's not someone that I'm actively going after, but when he drops, he becomes interesting for some of the same reasons that Sermon is interesting earlier. We have A.J. Dillon here as a potential running back. Uh, he would be a kind of a cool guy to add for our second running back. I do want to keep building depth at wide receiver with having Harris early with his great gift of getting Hawkinson. I wanna just load up, load up, load up at receiver, but it may be that we like the value better in round nine, round 10, than what we're seeing right here. Now, I don't know if we can really trust some of our very favorite guys. I mean, if it weren't for the fact that Will Fuller tends to come back, we would
1: probably take him right here. Is, is that a consideration? I have Gallup and Fuller as my last two in a tier. And we talked about Gallup sort of briefly at our last pick. He would be my preferred pick for the reasons you said, and continuing to load up at receiver. At running back, I have Mostert just two spots behind Dylan, and they are my my best two available. The one in between them has been drafted. So I would be very comfortable with going Mostert. We did just take Debo. I, you know, I don't know necessarily how much those two guys overlap in the same offense. It is kind of just a bet on San Francisco's offense being very good in some respects. At the same time, I don't know positionally if we want to go back to running back. I, I'm I'm with you. The point you just made about continuing to hammer receiver because we made the bets on Harrison and Hawkinson. And just to, to keep everyone up to date,
2: Russell Wilson did go at the seven oh eight, so that wasn't an option for us. He was the pick actually right before we selected Debo. One of the things that uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to do in a draft with the Rotobiz team earlier. In the week was to take some of the quarterbacks late you had mentioned even after we got a pretty good value on kyler murray you sort of wished we had waited in the ship chasing draft a couple of nights ago ben are, are, are we comfortable kind of continuing to gamble at qb pretty deep into the draft
1: yeah at this point for sure i mean herbert also goes on in the turn around us for me it's like aaron Rodgers, burrow tom brady and then getting into the rookies and jalen hurts and it's a very deep tier for me right now, at quarterback. I'm very comfortable waiting. And so
2: Michael Gallup gives us that exposure to the Thursday night game. He gives us something to kind of root for there. You say that he's your top guy. I, I'm thinking that that's the pick unless you're
1: feeling a running back. Nope. I like Gallup here a lot. Yeah, I mean, and, and I can give you sort of the bull case. So two seasons ago, Michael Gallup had a yards per out run of 2.16. Anything over two is very, very good. His targets per hour run 21.9% of, of routes he was targeted on. Last year that fell all the way down to 15.5%. His yards per hour run fell all the way to one34 Much, much worse. Now the obvious difference in those two seasons, two obvious differences, obviously Dak got injured, but then also CeeDee Lamb. And then we really like CeeDee Lamb to explode it. But I think the Dak thing is pretty substantial because – Without Dak last year, the pass offense certainly fell off a little bit. You had more passes to guys like Dalton Schultz. Amari Cooper was still pretty productive. Lamb was still pretty productive. I think it was harder for some of those backup quarterbacks to, to utilize Gallup, especially you know, on his in, in his outside role, deep threat type of role. I think one of the biggest players that Dak potentially having a healthy and good season would benefit, probably the biggest player, would be Gallup the, in, in that this offense could support three really strong receivers – I think very good player in his own respect um, has been good from like yards per target perspective. And those things was a pretty strong prospect coming out, you know, three years ago. So I think that the bull case for him is that he continues to be a very productive player on the outside down the field. He's also, uh, you know, moved into the slot a little bit in the preseason. But that targets per route run is a lot closer to the 21.9% in 2019 than the 15.5% we saw last year. It's up around 20% again. And he has a huge target season with with strong, you know, yards per target type efficiency. Included his yards per run spike again, and he finishes as a top top twenty five receiver. If he comes back anywhere close to what you're saying, I think that that
2: is almost guaranteed. You you go in the weekly explorer, you pull up the per game numbers for receiving yards, and you see that. I mean, Michael Gallup was number six in receiving yards per game in 2019. You think about the touchdown upside that it that offense has and man it, it could just be crazy
1: hey rotoviz radio listener this is curtis patrick from the dynasty command center podcast and i've got a special deal for you today go to rotoviz.com click the subscribe button put the 12 month subscription in your cart and use promo code rvradio radio 2021 that's rv radio 2021 and you're going to save 10 percent
0: So
2: Ben Gasicki, Waddle, Mostert, Pittman, Thomas are the next group of picks uh, structurally and and also obviously from the perspective of fun guys to draft. Where are we now in terms of how things are developing?
1: I mean, we're having a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) I love this roster. We have Tyree Kill, Terry McLaurin, Jamar Chase, Chase Claypool, Debo Samuel, Michael Gallup. A lot of exposure to upside profiles. You know, we only do have the one second-year player in Claypool. But Chase is obviously the, the upside rookie this year. And guys like Debo could just have a monster season if he can just finally stay healthy in year three. Obviously, Tyree Kill monster upside. Terry McLaurin could be this big year three jump, even though his first two years looked so similar. It wouldn't be that surprising to see him now take the step forward in year three with a new quarterback. Michael Gallup going into year four. Little bit up and down so far in his career, but also has those strong ceiling arguments. And then obviously Najee Harris, T.J. Hawkinson. I, I really like where we're at, and going forward, I'm comfortable continuing to look at receiver. I mean, I'm thinking about guys like Fuller and Elijah Moore and Rondale Moore, Jarvis Landry. At the same time, um, at some point, we're going to want to consider a second running back. Right now, my next best ones are Sony Michelle and James Connor. AJ Dillon and Ronald Jones both went off the board, as did Raheem Mostert, who you noted. I don't know how early we have to get Cole Komet, but he starts to come into play for me pretty soon, maybe at the 11-12 turn rather than the 9-10. That's what I'm sort of thinking.
2: And it is this tough choice kind of coming back because there are going to be some running backs. The 0RB guys start to be interesting late in round 9, all throughout 10. We know there's great depth there, but the same thing we always point out for wide receiver also does take place for some of these zero RB guys, at least this one tier where it doesn't matter how deep it is in nine and 10, you're only going to get to make two picks. And if you take wide receivers, you're going to make fewer picks than that at running back. Uh, but it would be really hard to pass on guys like Will Fuller, Elijah Moore, DJ Moore at this next turn.
1: DJ, DJ Shark. Yeah, I agree. Sharks, Sharks. the other one I didn't mention, but is right there for me. I, I am very comfortable continuing to punt off running back, and 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 Sonny Michelle did go. Who was my top back? I mean, now I'm looking at James Conner and, and Zach Mo- and the, the Bills guys, Zach Moss and Singletary and Tony Pollard. Those would be interesting picks, but I don't think we need to make them. Quarterback, you know, Aaron Rodgers went. I do want to keep kicking that can down the road so we can just keep loading up on wide receiver firepower. I mean, the the, the payoff, the opportunity cost right now to gamble on on quarterback later is just so high. And some of these rookies have been falling now. And it's just like, it's, it's so <laughs> Evan Ingram goes off the board. He will be starting on IR, I believe. Right. So I think that is, is that accurate. I,
2: I think that I saw that maybe he is going to be okay. Maybe just miss a little bit of time there. Uh, still a pretty aggressive pick in round nine, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I mean, James Conner, so the, the the top guys for me would be James Conner, who I have almost everywhere and do expect to score a lot of points, even if he's the number two, which he very well could be there in Arizona. But Will Fuller, I don't know. I mean, it depends on if we want to have even one running back with these two picks. We're going to be able to make a selection of one of the two rookie Moors, uh, DJ Chark, if somehow somehow all of those guys go. Will Fuller usually goes back through. So we do have the option. James Conner's ADP is ahead of this. We could go that route. I don't know. I, it just,
1: it almost still seems like a wide receiver, wide receiver turn to me. Yep. That's what I'm feeling as well. Let's just get to eight really strong wide receivers. We made the bet on Harrison Hawkinson. We'll be fine at running back. We got the zero RB king here.
2: <laughs> All right. So Ben, my 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 take for Will Fuller, who was our selection, is that he was last year's wide receiver seven, and he's going to be this year's wide receiver seven on a per game basis. And I think we just drafted him to like wide receiver 40.
1: Wide receiver 47, actually. Yeah. Um yeah. <laughs> the, these receivers are are just too good. We now have a lot of redundancy built in if Claypool doesn't make the step forward if Chase does struggle early we might not even start Chase week one uh if if Debo gets injured you know Chase might be a late season hammer now on this team if Debo does get injured if Gallup doesn't come along I mean we we're not playing well Fuller in week one obviously but there are so many upside bets in this receiver room to also have Hawkinson as a nice upside bet I feel really really good about the decision to take Najee Harrison, too. I mean, not necessarily about Harris individually, but we talked about structurally in the first episode. I feel very comfortable now with where we're at, given that we went running back in round two. We could have went with like a Jefferson, as you had noted. It's very nice that that we just took care of one running back there and have been able to just really hammer the, these wide receiver values. It's It's a nice build right now. And one of the things that I would mention, I mean, there are going
2: to be some listeners who say, well, if it's this deep, why didn't you just take some more running backs early? And and that's not an impossibility. Like You can build it that way, and it, it potentially could work out. One of the things I'd like to make sure that we have here, though, is number one, guys get hurt. Number two, you're wrong on some players, I and mean, we could be wrong on Jamar Chase. And having this kind of depth allows us to weather some of that. I mean, one of the things... That happened with the team that Blair and Andrews and I drafted last year that we do reference from time to time because people do want to hear, okay, well, you know, does it work? I mean, can you have success with this kind of build in a real draft? And obviously on that team, we had no running backs through 10 rounds. And Julio Jones was our first pick. He obviously did not contribute during that stretch where we made the run to finishing 31st overall. If you have this type of build, you can get through mistakes. You can get through injuries. Other types of builds don't allow you to do that. Then they're forcing a difficult choice on us here at running back, where James Conner, we're two picks away. He's still there. Both of the Moors are still there. I mean, there's a chance that one of the Moors could come back in the next round. Um, Ronda Moore has a, an ADP at 11:05. Henry Rugs has one at 11:11. If we missed and we're, we're intent on continuing to draft wide receivers, obviously we're getting them into the range where we might be looking at doing a rookie QB with Burrow thinking in terms of looking at it from the other direction and some of the picks we're going to make in the next two or three rounds.
1: uh, How are we feeling? Yeah. I mean, I think that's what I'm trying to figure out sort of in my head right now. Rondell Moore and DJ Chuck went in the two picks before us. So we do have Elijah Moore there as a pretty clear top available wide receiver at the same time. I don't have an issue going Connor and opening ourselves up to, like you said, Burrow uh, to to stack with that Chase Hill combination that we really liked, or or those rookie QBs. I mean, we can make some upside QB bets at the next turn pretty easily, or we can keep punting running back and take Elijah Moore. I, I'm very comfortable going both those those directions.
2: We might have a wide receiver or two that we like really late, so let's go ahead and take Connor. He gets another chance to get. Some ADP value, and he does set us up to do our quarterback approach that we like. It sets us up to look at Cole Komet, whom we'll have to make in these next couple of rounds if we want to go that direction. So, having the running back there, I think, does work for us. Uh, It's unfortunate not to have Elijah Moore on this team, but we do have some good exposure to him. Ben, I said that Will Fuller was going to be the wide receiver seven. Can James Conner be the running back? Like six, I mean, he's done this before, right? Scored 21 points a game when he was the handcuff to Le'Veon. Le'Veon decides to sit out the whole season. He's got the rush profile. He's got the receive profile. His advanced stats last year, we had the advanced stats explorer now on Roto-Biz. You can see the broken tackle information. Uh, you can see... Uh, Forced missed tackles, you get the evasion percentage. James Conner was one of the top guys last season in this Pittsburgh rushing attack that struggled because of the blocking, that struggled because Ben Roethlisberger was not his normal self. And as a result, Conner uh, didn't put up huge points, but he's still like in this 13-point-per-game range that is very, very playable at the running back position. People kind of uh, get overly optimistic in terms of what running backs are going to actually score. Now he's into this system with the Arizona Cardinals where Kenyon Drake was very effective last year, despite just looking bad from a reality perspective. He gets a lot of high value touches down there by the goal line. One of the things that they've said, and and you need to take all of these sort of training camp reports with a grain of salt is number one, that these two running backs consider themselves to be a committee sort of one A, one B. One of the things that Chase Edmonds was saying was that James Conner's hands are fantastic. And that will help keep defenses from being able to know tendencies when the two backs are on the field. I don't think it was intended to be, but that's a little bit of a shot at Kenyon Drake and, and sort of his receiving prowess, which evidently the Raiders are going to try and deploy there in Las Vegas. I think that both Edmonds and Connor could be very viable fantasy options. And obviously, Connor is the cheaper guy.
1: Yeah, I think the upside case is we. We talked about the Dalvin Cook EP. You've talked a lot about that. I kind of broke down a big reason for that those carries from the one, two, and three yard line on a show uh, either last week or the week before, where Cook led the NFL with 20 carries in that range. It was one of the highest total numbers of carries, the one, two, or three yard line in the last um, since 2000, in, in, as far back as the road of his screener goes. Kenan Drake was right there, either second or third. I can't recall because I know Josh Jacobs was right there as well. It's kind of funny to see both Drake and Jacobs as 2-3 at, like, 19 and 18. So the bull case for James Conner is they continue to do the same stuff at the goal line that they did last year. And James, uh, you know, he might not get the exact same number of of carries from that close. That was sort of the point on the Cook thing. But James Conner does get a lot of carries, say, from inside the 5 or inside the 10 and is able to score double-digit touchdowns. And then on top of that, where Drake only had 31 targets and 25 receptions last year – and Drake did score 10 touchdowns in 15 games. We're saying Connor's going to score at least 10. But on top of that, he's going to score more, or he's going to catch more than the 25 passes that Drake did. He's going to have this high value touch profile on both sides where he scores double digit TDs and catches, say, 35 passes. That would make him a, an absolute smash here.
2: So we love ourselves some James Connor. If he gets injured in week one, I'm going to have to rethink. Um, the way I'm playing some of these running back backfields because uh, he is a big element to my 2021 approach so we know we can look at the the QBs maybe we just take one QB and go with a Ryan Fitzpatrick late because we have Terry McLaurin. and that would be another way to play it if we feel like there's too much value here in round 11 Devin Singletary is still there Naheem Hines is there and report came out today that the Colts plan to use him more sort of an interesting take considering that their wide receivers are actually looking pretty bad right and so you also have Carson Wentz who is not really the kind of guy who can unlock them at this point it wouldn't seem and so maybe Jonathan Taylor can get his points and still leave enough for Hines, like there was last season he'd be someone to consider uh, as we try and add some running backs late Cole Komet is there. He's got an ADP in early round 13, but the reason I bring him up is that he probably doesn't get back to us in round 13. So if we want him and we're pretty high on him, it's the 11-12 turn. We kind of have to look at it. So those those are some of the things that are happening big picture in the draft. At QB, Ryan Tannehill's still there, Trey Lance still there, Justin Fields still there, and Joe Burrow still there. Burrow's ADP is also kind of in that tricky range where it's late 12, but we've seen him fall into round 14. You know, we really want him. And so you you can't just say, you know, let's see if he falls multiple rounds beyond ADP, but there is a chance that that kind of thing could happen. And so uh, perhaps the McLaurin Fitzpatrick deal gives us some other ways to play it kind of looking at the late season schedule there. Ben. we have, Dallas, Philadelphia, Dallas, Philadelphia. So uh, the championship, okay. Semifinals, fantasy semifinals, Washington, the Raiders, that seems like a good matchup. The finals, the Cowboys, that seems like a good matchup. And then the three week race, Philadelphia twice and Dallas. So Washington, I think set up to potentially score a lot of points going down the stretch there. Maybe make Fitzpatrick a little bit more exciting, especially if the Washington defense is not in complete shutdown mode. We could see some shootouts at that point.
1: And a, dr- a draft note here is every team in this draft now, Jalen Hurts and Matthew Stafford went off the board. Every team has one quarterback exactly. There's certainly going to be some teams that take a second here in the 12th and the 13th before we're approaching our pick here in the 11th. We're going to pick at the 11 12th turn. There's going to be a few that take their second in 12th and 13th before our pick at 1309. But I, I because of that, because of the fact that every team has one, I'm a little bit more comfortable just sort of waiting and hoping that one of those guys falls. And also because both Hertz and Stafford went, you mentioned Tannehill. I have Hertz one spot ahead of Tannehill, but um, I think of Stafford as behind those other targets, Burrow, Fields, Lance, and then also have Tannehill on that tier. So now we have these four options. Every team has one quarterback. I'm comfortable kind of it's certainly at 1109, not taking a QB, maybe on the turn, a couple a couple QBs go and we have to rethink. But I'm comfortable doing that uh right here. And we just got onto the clock. Uh Naheem Hines did go. He was my third running back available. My best two would be Singletary and Chuba Hubbard, who I know you love. And Komet would be another option at this turn. And I would like to grab him at receiver, it's Jacoby Myers and Terrace Marshall for me, but not a priority right now.
2: Okay, so we have thirty-five seconds, and you're thinking basically I, I, I think I'm thinking singletary, but what what are you think? Well, I'm I'm just you're saying that we could actually go with no QBs on this term, which I'm, I'm definitely in on. I just want to make sure that that's – Yes. Okay. So let's go Singletary here, and then we can look at Komet versus the QBs at the 1204.
1: Yeah, Singletary's a really nice value there at 1109. The the upside case, he scored two touchdowns last year. It's pretty simple. He scored seven, eight touchdowns, and then suddenly he's a very, very good pick at the 1109. He's got some explosiveness. Sean, you've mentioned before, on a lot of different shows, when you talk about Singletary, you really like his burst. I've heard the name Barry Sanders mentioned sometimes in the same sentence. You always couch that obviously with nobody is Barry Sanders, but there's a lot of a lot of reason to like Singletary. He's certainly just massively undervalued, just massively undervalued on on the TD reality. And we've talked a little bit about some of the plays that the, the Bills ran down by the goal line last year and how you know, Zach Moss certainly got more of those touches down there, but some of those TDs should shift to running back this year. It's just not going to happen again. Where seven out of 56 offensive touchdowns go to their main two running backs. The other part of his upside case would be that Matt Breida <clears throat> isn't actually a thing because he's been kind of a an August uh, you know puff piece kind of guy. So it would be nice to see Devin Singletary be a really key part of this backfield, potentially obviously the lead over over Zach Moss, and then it's the touchdowns. He scores seven or eight touchdowns. He catches. Plenty of balls. He's been the the uh, better receiver than Moss was last year, especially in terms of targets per run. His targets per run both years been pretty solid. Singletary Moss's was very very low last year,
2: and he's flashed a little bit in the preseason in terms of perhaps having that receiving role. But Ben, the the hot take is going to be Devin Singletary is Barry Sanders in twenty twenty one. Okay, all
0: right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, I. Uh, Singletary there, He. if you look at the evasion percentage leaderboard, so if you're excited about guys who make, who break tackles, who make guys miss, which is really Singletary's bread and butter, the, two, the four names who are in the top 10 of both of the last two years are Singletary, Chubb, Kamara, and Austin Eckler. Three of those guys are going very, very early. Devin Singletary going to us in the 11th round. That right there is going to win us the half a million dollars. That'll be the end of our second episode, our special draft episode here of Stealing Bananas. Come back and see if we go after Cole Komet in round 12 at the 1204 or if we break down and do select a quarterback. Make sure you check out Stealing Signals. This is the time to have your subscription to the best fantasy newsletter in the industry week one, week two. You've got to find out what the signal, what the noise, how you have to approach waivers to win your league in those first couple of weeks. We're doing a fantastic work over at Rotoviz. Make sure you check them out. The tools, as ever, are worth the price of admission. If you want to get a discount on that, you can enter the code RBRADIO2021 at discount. You'll get 10% off. Uh, Please subscribe to our feed, See The Bananas. You guys have been doing that. It's been absolutely amazing. We love sharing the show with you. You'll get it as soon as it releases by having that subscription and uh, if you can't leave us a rating and review you guys have done an amazing job there we appreciate all of the fantastic feedback the community has been great we're looking forward to the end season with you our shows coming up should be a lot of fun and uh, as you go through this last week the best week in fantasy enjoy draft well good luck we'll talk to you soon